It's lovely to see you in church this morning, and uh, when I'm looking out, you're looking very summery, uh, which is great, and lovely to see the nice uh, weather outside as well. So lovely to have you at this special service of baptism, um, and I want to welcome particularly uh, Peter and Judy and uh, uh, Henry, and it's good to see him looking bright and alert as usual, and the Brown and the Slovak families as well. You're very welcome, and your friends from the Lutheran Church and we have the Discovery Gospel Choir as well, and we're looking forward to hearing you later on. And, and there's an assortment of our own folks and visitors here as well. And can I say that you're very, very welcome. Great to have Martin as well, Martin Sauter from the Lutheran Church and some friends from the Lutheran Church as well. And it's lovely that you've been able to come that vast distance down Adelaide Road to say hello to us here as well. Folks, the theme of our service this morning is hope. And the basis of Christian hope is the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And on that first day of resurrection, um, Mary was asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And that is our hope. And we want to sing to the Lord now and bless his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So let's stand and we'll worship the Lord together. soul, oh my soul, 
worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, and I worship his holy name. That day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time is come. Still your eyes, soul, will sing your praise unending. A thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Flame bright never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. I'll worship your holy Well, as I said, it's lovely to have you in church this morning, um, and uh, as I was looking around there, it's a particular joy to welcome Rebecca to church this morning, and uh, it's lovely to have you, Rebecca. And we were just singing of the Lord's goodness, and uh, for those who don't know, Rebecca has been extremely ill and uh, has been uh, in, in three different hospitals and uh, it's just four different hospitals, and it's been lovely to have her back with us as well. Just was thinking as we were singing there, and I turned it up in Psalm 103, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children. So let's pray. Father, how lovely it is to join together in praise of you, and in worship of you from, with people from all over the world. And Father, what a joy it is to be part of something small here on earth that will be magnified many, many times and perfected in heaven. And Father, we thank you for the joy that we feel in our hearts because of the truth of the fact that God is God, that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead, and that, Father, that you have dwelt with us by the power of your Spirit. And, Father, we thank you that you have heard our prayers, that you've heard our prayers for Annie, that you've heard our prayers for Rebecca in particular. And, Father, we welcome her back to this family, and we are overjoyed to see the remarkable goodness uh, of your hand on her life. And, Father, we pray that each of us this morning will come with thankful hearts, because of who you are, because of your compassion, because of your love, and Father, particularly because we see that worked out in your grace. You do not treat us as our sins deserve. You do not abandon us when we impatiently criticize and turn our backs on you. You pursue us with everlasting love. 
And Father, you gave the most precious thing for us, your only Son. Father, open our eyes, I pray, that we might see the depth of the love of Jesus for us and for the work that you're doing in our hearts, slow at times that it may be, and that you are molding us together as a family of God here on earth and for eternity. Father, we thank you that you have blessed us today with the presence of Peter and Judy and baby Henry. We pray that you will be with them as they take their vows of baptism. And we pray, Father, that you will bless us as a church family as we worship you together. And Father, so we pray that as we begin our service, that we will simply acknowledge the goodness of God to us in Jesus Christ, and that we might know the hope of resurrection in our hearts. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is a real delight to have the Discovery Gospel Choir with us, and they're going to come and sing to us now a Zimbabwean song, Uthando Luka Baba. If you want to, do you want to say anything about it, or are you just going to sing it? You're happy? Just sing it. That is fine. And the reason that they're here, of course, is that Peter is a part of this choir. Um, and I presume you would normally be singing with them, Peter? Yeah, so, and you're very, very welcome, and thanks for leading us in worship.
beginning to come up. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Uh, well, we've come to that point in the service now where we're going to um, have the baptism. And uh, Henry is really good. That's good. He's looking at this. I put on my sheep tie so that he would be mesmerized by it, which is great. And it's lovely to have you uh, family here as well. And uh, Edina and Russell as godparents as well. Thank you. And I suppose my task is to explain to you what baptism is. Uh, we believe that baptism is a sacrament, an act of grace from God to you, and in the sense to this child because of the belief of his parents. Peter and Judy have a clear Christian faith, and their testimony is of how God has rescued them from their sin and made them new by the power of the Holy Spirit. They themselves have been baptized, and they are members of this local church. And this week I've been reading the story of Abraham in my own reading, and that's where the story of baptism really begins. And I was struck, Peter, particularly because it's about a man who hears a call from God, and he's told to leave his country and to go to a new country, and there God will bless him. And Peter, you have been mightily blessed. You've got Judy, and you've got Henry, and you've got all the blessings of being here in Ireland uh, with us here. A house, a job, I could go on and on and on in that way. But this, even though that this began with God speaking to a man called Abram, it wasn't a huge event in many ways. It was quite a quiet affair because God spoke personally to Abram. And he made him a promise, a promise that would begin a life-changing reality within the whole world. Because he said, through you, Abraham, and through your wife, Sarah, who had no children at the time, I will bless you, and I will bless the whole world. And I will make you into a great nation, which is remarkable because by that stage, they were in their 80s, and they had no children. Let me read that to you so that you know that it's not me that's making this up as well. The, Lord's God, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you." So what does that got to do with baptism? Well, if you fast forward actually 23 years, God speaks to Abraham again, and He reminds him of the promise. So the promise has not been fulfilled, and I'm sure if, if you're like Abraham, you're wondering when will this happen. And God gives Abraham a sign, and He says, when, you're, when your child is born, when your son is born, this is the sign. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between you and me. That was the Jewish covenant promise. And what is that to do with us in Ireland? And what has that got to, to do with Peter and Judy in particular? Well, if you fast forward again to the time of Jesus, 
Jesus took this idea of promise and of covenant, and this is what He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so, the promise of the new covenant, though linked historically with circumcision, is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, who shed His blood so that we would not have to have our blood shed. And the reality is that that is why we baptize. When we see that and understand that, then we, the sign of circumcision is now the sign of baptism, and we include the children of believing parents. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, in Him you were also circumcised, in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by, by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. And folks, that is what we do this morning. We trust that as we baptize Henry, that God has sealed him by this sign, and that God will speak to him as He did to Abraham and call him to Himself. And Peter and Judy are declaring that they believe that Henry needs God to speak to him, that he needs to be saved, that everything that they have is undeserved, and yet that they have a special place within the family of God. And baptism, we believe, is a seal a visible pledge from God that one day Henry will hear the call of God upon his life, and their hope and ours is that Henry will respond and give glory to God by giving his life to Christ. So, let us pray as we begin. Father, we thank You that we are known to You, Lord God, by name and loved by You from all eternity. We thank You for Jesus Christ who has opened to us the way to heaven through forgiveness of our sins. We thank You for the gift of the Holy Spirit who gives us new life and Your presence and who welcomes us into the family of God. We thank You, for you Lord God, for this family, Peter, Judy, and Henry. And we thank You for loving them and calling them to this commitment to You. Help them to take their vows depending on You. Help us to be a loving, praying, and committed church family, as we promise to be for Henry and his parents and all other children within our church family. We praise You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, I'm going to ask Peter and Judy and Edina and Russell to come to the front. Big responsibility that Russell has been given here this morning. You're doing well. So, Peter and Judy, this sacrament lays solemn duties on you as parents to make confession of your faith before God and to promise to bring up your children in that faith. 
So do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus as your Lord, and Savior, and Lord? Do you promise by the grace of God and by prayer and example to bring up Henry in the worship and teaching of the church so that he may come to confess with you that Jesus Christ is his Savior and Lord? And this sacrament also lays solemn duties on you as the people of God in this congregation. And so I ask you to stand. So do you promise by the grace of God so to live in the faith of the gospel and in love for one another that this child and all others among you may grow up to love and serve our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord give you grace to keep the vows you have taken. Henry Victor Slovak, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you forever. Amen. According to Christ's commandment, Henry Victor Slovak is now received into membership of the Church of Jesus Christ as is engaged to be a servant of Christ throughout the years of his life. Let's bless him with the words of the ironic blessing. We sing this together. happy boy, isn't he? It's great. Who wants to take him? No, Adina's going to do the candle. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Excellent. Folks, we are delighted to have with us uh, Adina, um, uh, Peter's sister, and she has brought a candle all the way from Hungary. Um, and it's from their church, which is a Lutheran uh, evangelical church in Hungary. And so we're going to light this candle as a blessing. And I have, just as a sign of our unity in the gospel, and as a symbol of this uh, light 
of Henry in the world. So now, Ken is there, is there is the elder uh, that looks after this family, and he has a gift for them, and then he's going to lead us in prayer. Uh, please be seated. You can stand. Let us pray. Dear Lord, the giver of good things, our hearts are full of thankfulness and praise to you this morning for the blessings you have given us. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. Especially, we want to thank you for the wonderful and precious gift of little Henry and for the great joy and pleasure he has already brought to Peter and Judy. We thank you, too, for his grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, for the love and support they have been to Peter and Judy. As we welcome Henry into this church, help us to faithfully fulfill the vows we have taken this morning as parents, family, godparents, and congregational members to nurture his faith, to care for him personally, to watch over him spiritually, and to mentor his discipleship in the journey before him. And now, Lord, we ask for your special blessing on Peter and Judy as parents. We ask that you would give them wisdom as they watch Henry grow and develop. Guide them and help them to be loving, patient, and understanding parents. As they journey through life, may they know your constant presence and your deep love for them. We give thanks for Henry and pray for the future before him. We pray, dear Lord, that you would pour out your abundant blessing on him. May he come to know and follow you as Lord and Savior one day. Finally, we pray that Henry will grow up to be a man of integrity, that he will listen to God's calling, guard and guide him all the days of his life. We ask this for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ken. Okay, folks, that's great. We're going to sing, uh, well, appropriately, aren't they, this little light of mine. In fact, the choir are going to lead us. So I'll ask you to remain seated, and then you can uh, follow along and sing uh, as, you, as you want. So. Do you want to stand up here?
Brilliant. I'm tempted actually to get them to do that again. Because I think you didn't really get into it enough. Would you like to do it again? I think you might want to do it again, but if you do if we're going to do it again, you must do the actions. Is that okay? Okay, we'll do it again. But you must do the actions, and I will do the actions too. Yeah, come on, come on up here. Because, uh, okay, girls, do you want to come up to the front and do the actions here? We've had a request that you would do that. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, good. Okay? And do you want to stand? Are you okay? You're tired. Okay, let's go then. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. In my neighborhood, I'm gonna let it shine. In my neighborhood, I'm gonna let it shine. In my neighborhood I'm gonna let it shine let it shine let it shine let it shine around the world I'm gonna let it shine oh around the world I'm gonna let it shine oh around the world I'm gonna let it shine let it shine let it shine let it shine Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, red light, red light shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, this let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Shine, let it shine, let it shine. Shine, let it shine. Great. Well, well done, everybody. At this point in the service, those children who are aged three to eight are welcome to leave with Karen 
um, and to go upstairs and uh, everyone else is to stay and uh, we'll continue with our service in a moment or two. So folks, just to, if you have your order service there, we have a few announcements to go through. Um, again, just, it is really lovely to see you all in church and to be able to praise God together as a family of God from all over the world. We're trying to do um, a series in the summertime called A Conversation with Jesus. That's what ACWJ stands for. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at the paralyzed man in chapter 5 of John's Gospel. Uh, That's the pool at Bethesda, which is a fascinating story. Always mesmerized me as as a child about this bubbling pool and all these ill people around it, and we'll be looking at that conversation. If you've come today and you're burdened about anything and you want to be prayed for, uh, then this little table here is our prayer uh, meeting place, as it were, uh, where you will, two people will just pray with you. It's confidential. Uh, They don't give advice in that sense. They just pray with you about the situation that you have talked to them about. Uh, The Living Well group, which is our uh, folks of retirement age or near it, as you see there, are meeting in uh, Alan and Heather's uh, house in Bray on Saturday the 27th of July. Um, I called you royalty last week, so I just better let you know that we did that, you know. (laughs) A garden party and all of that sort of stuff, but there you go. No problem. (laughs) Small garden party, yes, without the presence of the Queen. Um, so, volunteers then for number four there, we, uh, as you know, Marcus and Eleni are away, and uh, so we need folks to volunteer to uh, clean the church. So, do speak to Ch- uh, Stuart. I know that people say, well, oh, I wonder should I do that or not. Uh, we do need people, I'm hearing, uh, so do um, t- speak to Stuart. And you'll see that the facade of the church is being worked on, and that will be like that for the next six weeks, apparently. Again, all those other announcements there, you can read through those. Um, Just for those who maybe um, who are Presbyterian and members of this church, if you turn over the page, uh, you'll see that we have um, grant applications for the education fund. This is to assist people with their fees for post-primary and third-level education. If you think that you might be eligible for that, then do email that address. And if you've already received from that, then you will have by now received your forms to fill in. And I need to fill in a part of that as well. So just to highlight that to you as well. Well, folks, we're going to look at a conversation with Jesus now. And it's uh, lovely to have Rosemary with us today. And Rosemary's going to come and read uh, to us from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. And that should be page 1089 in your Bibles. This is the story of Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? (laughs) Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, 
Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Amen. Thanks, Rosemary. Well, folks, keep your Bibles open there, and uh, I'm going to try and talk to you about that. So we've got a conversation going on, and this conversation is not with, uh, with those folks in particular, uh, but between Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and this is the scene that we have. So we've got three characters in this story. Uh, we have Mary, a young woman who is shattered, and she is in crumpled clothing. She hasn't slept well, and she's mourning. And we have Jesus, who is a young man, and he's dressed as an ordinary gardener in this story. And there are angels, two of them, and they're messengers in human likeness. And I suppose the, the beginning of this story is that you are now entering beyond hope. I presume this is a place somewhere in the world. I didn't find out more about it than that. But the scene that we have is a cemetery with cave-like tombs cut into the side of a hill, part of a rolling landscape within the walled city of Jerusalem. Or within, you can see the walled city of Jerusalem in the near distance. It's dark, but the sun is just about to rise. And Mary is unable to sleep, has made her way under the night sky to the cemetery. And when she does come near, she is alarmed, isn't she? Because she sees that the stone has been rolled away. And Mary is beyond hope. Jesus not only is, not only is Jesus her friend dead, but his body has been taken, most likely by the authorities, she thinks, whether the civil authorities, the Romans, or whether the Jewish uh, religious authorities, perhaps even by the cemetery caretaker or gardener. And they've taken his body, and she has nowhere to grieve and no one to grieve. And maybe that surprises us, doesn't it? Why is she not going, wow, Jesus has risen from the dead, just like he said? Why is she not doing that? Because death is won, hasn't it? Hope has died, and resurrection, honestly, is very far from their thoughts. And so Mary ran to tell the disciples about the absent body, but she came back, and she's outside the tomb, and she's crying. And she's good reason to cry, because Jesus mattered a lot to her. She had suffered a lot under spiritual oppression. She was really on the lower echelons of society. And Jesus had healed her. He'd taken away that spiritual oppression. He had welcomed her into the community of His band of followers, and He had given her a renewed sense of hope. 
But if you look at verse 11, it says, Mary stood outside the tomb crying, distraught, in despair, adrift, and alone. She was utterly beyond hope. And the question is, can hope be restored? Is that possible? And the answer I want to give you today is it can be restored, but it must be real. It must be real resurrection. It must be physical resurrection. It has to be the real thing. I'm going to read you a poem. It's by a guy called John Updike, and this is what it says. Listen to what he's trying to say to us. I hope it works. I don't know whether poetry works and you can listen to it or not. I used to hate poetry, by the way, in school, but here we go. Make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body. If the cell's dissolution did not reverse, the molecules re-knit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. It was not as flowers, each soft spring recurrent. It was not as his spirit in the mouths and fuddled eyes of the eleven apostles. It was as his flesh, ours. The same hinged thumbs and toes, the same valued heart that pierced, died, withered, paused, and then regathered out of the enduring might, new strength to enclose. So, let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping, transcendence, making of an event a parable, a sign painted in the faded credulity of earlier ages. Let us walk through the door. And this is for the boys and girls. It has to be the real thing. No substitutes whatsoever, as Coca-Cola likes to remind us. So what are we being prepared for? This is the key point, I think, in this reality. This is a picture of Mary Magdalene, and I'm trying to picture her looking into the tomb. You see, Mary still hasn't had her conversation with Jesus, but she's being prepared for it. And it seems like such an insignificant thing, doesn't it? Such an insignificant thing. Yet it takes profound courage to do it. What is it? It's that she bent over, verse 11, and looked into the tomb. As the poem said, she walked through the door. She looked and examined for herself, and I want to encourage you to do the same, to stoop and to look. And what did she see? Verse 12, she saw two angels seated where Jesus' body was, and if you know your Old Testament, you will know that this is like the picture of the Ark of the Covenant the two cherubim at the end of the covenant, the place in the middle, the mercy seat, where the sacrifice took place, where blood was spilt, and the most holy place where our sins were forgiven. And you know what they say to her? They gently imply, don't they, that the only thing they say to her is, Mary, why are you weeping? They seem to imply, don't they, that it's inappropriate. 
And what this does for her is prepare her that there is possibly another explanation to the fact that the tomb is empty. Another way to interpret the facts of the stone rolled away and no body within and the grave clothes being left there. They are messengers preparing her for a recovery of hope. And then Jesus opens the conversation, doesn't he? He appears alongside her. He says, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? In essence, he's saying, what makes you so sad? What is so dark in your soul? And who is it that you're looking for? And though Mary doesn't recognize Jesus, his tone is compassionate. And so he thinks that he might be able to help her. And he says, can you help me find the body? She's blind to who he really is. And isn't it true that when we suffer the death of a loved one, Grief and loss can blind us to the hope of resurrection. We see only the tomb. We're captive to the lament. We're stuck in our crying. And we need courage to move and to stoop and to look and to examine the truth of the resurrection. But if this resurrection is true, then there is comfort in sorrow. There is hope available but how does it come to us? Ultimately, it comes, folks, in the power of a word. Fascinating, isn't it, when you read that story that she saw Jesus, but that she didn't recognize him? But it's when she, he heard that voice, Mary. It was a word that made her see, and in her hope she was reborn. And I love this little bit from David Helm's book about this, where he says, and because she hears him, she now sees him, and she calls out to him, and she runs to him, and she hugs him, and she becomes a lifelong believer in him because of the power of a word. We're told that Jesus' work is finished. He tells her, my work is finished. I'm going back to the Father in heaven. There is a way opened up. Death is defeated. Hope is restored. Surprising, isn't it? Surprising that it was a word that brought her to faith. And folks, that's the same for us, is it? Did Mary have an unfair advantage? Was it because that she saw Jesus? Was it because she was able to touch him? Was it because she was there? Are there good reasons for us today to make, fre to make a fresh start to, with Jesus, to believe in his resurrection? which we cannot verify for ourselves. Well, the writer to the gospel thinks there is. And if you go to the end of that chapter, chapter 20, you'll read that he says this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that we, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The implications of this, folks, are simple and profound. Like Mary, by hearing the word of Jesus, by reading the Bible and the accounts of Jesus' life, we can be brought to new life and hope. When God's voice is read, God's voice is heard, and hope can be restored. So what is the importance of the resurrection? 
Well, Christians believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and the Bible has a clear testimony about that. And as you can see, such reality was vital for Mary and makes sense for her. However, the significance of this for today often isn't clear. And how does it help us dealing with the sorrow of death? Well, we need to read the Bible. I'm going to give you a potted history of what it tells us. It says that Jesus created us for a relationship with Himself. It tells us that sadly that we turned our backs on Him and that we decided that we would choose our own way, which the Bible calls sin. Because of that, God punished us by death and separation from Him. That was the just punishment for our rebellion. And to have our hope restored, we need someone to pay the penalty for that sin, someone who was stronger than the power of death. And Jesus was that person. And He demonstrated that by His perfect loving life. He demonstrated it by His death on the cross, by His resurrection from the dead, and by His ascension into heaven. Death has been overcome. Peace has come. And it is, the, it is the God's intention was always to restore the relationship that was broken and restore it not just for now, but for eternity. And that is possible when we hear and believe the good news of the gospel, the power of a word. So Mary's experience is helpful. She recognized hope and restored, and she ran to tell others. Folks, I want to say too in closing that it is good that we cry in the reality of the hopelessness of death and of other things. And we, we need to, as it were, begin outside the tomb. I'm not saying that it's wrong in any sense to cry and to grieve. But we do need courage to stoop and to look at the truth of what the Bible tells us about all that's happening in our world, and about the sin in our hearts, and about the brokenness and fallenness of humanity, and about the hope that He has in the cross. And we also, like Mary, need to hear and accept the Word of Jesus as Mary did. Folks, we believe that Jesus did rise from the dead, and therefore we have hope. And that is why, how we have this hope now, hope for our own resurrection. And the invitation for Mary was to believe, and it is for us. And I ask that we might put our trust and our faith in Him. And then, just to finish, she is a different person. She has come in darkness. Her pace is slow. Her heart is heavy, and her hope is lost. But now she leaves in light. Her steps are quick. Her heart is hopeful and her voice can be heard. It's true. It really is. Death and whatever else it is cannot win. Jesus won the victory. He has overcome death, and in Him all things will one day be made new. Amen. We're going to worship God as we give our offering to Him now, and the, the, the choir are going to sing another song, Total Praise.
Yeah, folks, the crescendo was great, wasn't it? I kind of wanted to say hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah, that's great. Um, so thank you for that, folks. It is a real delight to have Martin Sauter with us today, and Martin's going to lead us in prayers for other. Uh, he is the pastor um, in uh, the Lutheran Church next door. So, Martin, you're very welcome, and thank you for leading us our prayers for others. Full of trust, let us turn to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in whose sanctuary and presence we are. God's creating and redeeming love for all creation and God's friendship to all his people surrounds us. The Holy One hears us, challenges us, and comforts us. Let us pray. We answer the plea, hear us, O God, with your mercy is great. We worship you, our creator. We commit to follow you, Jesus, our savior, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. For you made us in your image. By your cross, you conquered our sin and the sin of all. And in the Holy Spirit, you were raised to new life, destroying death forever. Hear us, O God. Your, Your mercy, mercy is, is great. great. Lord, we come before you in deep gratitude for the gift of love you gave Judy and Peter. And we thank you for Henry, your gift of love and life to his parents to his grandparents, Maria and Yosef, Beverly and Campbell, to all his family and to all of us. And as we do so, we are aware of all those who today may be asking themselves when they will find their loved one, when they might have a family. Fill their hearts today, we pray, with peace, and joy and readiness to live each day in the fullness of life you give each of us at every moment, trusting that you will also fulfill their hearts and lives in time to come. Hear us, O oh God. Your, Your mercy, mercy is great. great. We pray for Henry and his parents and all his family that he may grow into the fullness of what you mean him to be in love for you and all his fellow creatures. We pray for his parents, that they be sustained in their love and guidance. And as we do so, we are aware of all involved in parenting, especially also adoptive parents and foster parents who take on the wonderful but serious commitment of nurturing children who are not related to them through blood ties. That you, dear God, source of life, sustain them in their commitment and that they may be supported by those around them. We pray for all who give care to children, 
in formal and informal settings for aunts and uncles, grandparents, friends and neighbors whose contribution cannot be underestimated. And we pray that our church communities become ever more places of nurture and sanctuary for children no matter what their background, so that they may be able to see and taste and feel the love of God palpably. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We pray that in this critically important time in the history of our planet, Henry and his generation may grow up to become adults with responsibility and passion for social and environmental justice. Lord, in many ways it looks as if we are facing insurmountable challenges in society and in the environment. And yet we struggle to turn our concerns into real <coughs> sacrifices. Give us, the generation in charge of things, a change of heart, that we may turn back from our deadly paths, and you knew your calling to them, the new generation, that they too may follow you and take courage to fight for those critical issues that will decide the future of our civilization. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. We pray to you for our two communities here in Adelaide Road Presbyterian Church and down the road in St. Finian's Lutheran Church. Make us ever more attentive to your presence, conscious of our stewardship of our churches, not as our turf, but as houses of God. May we continue to become places of welcome for all, we pray for Reverend Sam and Pastor Stefan, for all ordained into the ministry, and for all serving in different ways in our midst. Hear us, O God. Your, Your mercy, mercy is great. We pray for our island home of Ireland, north and south, and for the continent of Europe, places riven with crises and tension. We pray for politicians and civil servants, for leaders in industry and civil society. May they recognize what is best for peace and the well-being of all, and may they find strength and courage to live and witness to the truth in integrity and respect. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We pray to you for those parts of the world that are torn apart by injustice, violent conflict, environmental catastrophes, poverty, and disease. We pray for our battered planet home, Earth, and all its creatures. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. In silence, we bring before you, O oh God, all concerns that weigh upon our hearts, trusting that you care for us and all we pray for. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Remembering all who have gone before us in the faith, we commit ourselves, one another, and our whole life to Christ Jesus, risen from the dead. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Well, folks, we're going to declare our hope in Jesus Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. And I hope as we do that, we'll remember the story of Mary Magdalene and the hope that she has in the risen Lord Jesus Christ, and that that hope will be ours as well. So let's stand to worship him. In Christ alone, my hope is found. alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love, and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of christ i live In the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands on victory, since curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns 
calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Well, let's bless one another with these words. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, just to say that there are, um, there's cake and uh, goodies upstairs. Um, so, yeah, we go upstairs. Uh, normally we go downstairs, but we're going upstairs today. So it's on the second floor. Uh, so take the stairs or there's a lift there uh, for everyone as well. So can I thank everyone who took part? And, and we pray uh, uh, God's blessing on you as you go out into this world in the hope of the resurrection. Good. Do you want to go first?